This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast every step along the way. This podcast, as always, is supported by our friends at the Stoke City fans from all around the world Facebook group. And this week we'll take a look back at the loss versus Millwall, discuss the League Cup loss uh, versus Brentford and we'll look ahead, obviously, to Cardiff this weekend. And if that wasn't enough, we've got Graham McGarry with his weekly predictions and of course we'll look at all the news and updates from around the club this week. Okay, and Dan, um, welcome back to the podcast, mate. Unfortunately, obviously, you were off last week. Uh, I'm assuming you're feeling a little bit better now and you've recovered from your man flu. I am feeling a million times better. Still not quite 100%, but yeah, considering where I was the last couple of weeks, I'm, uh, I'm well chuffed to be back on here and uh, well enough to do grace you all with my dulcet tones. <laughs> and how exactly did you get um, COVID, mate? Were you licking walls or something like that? What 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 on earth were you doing to to contract co- uh, coronavirus? I I dared to have children who went to school. One of excuses. One, yes, both of them came in with it on the same day, and uh, <laughs> yeah, as good as it was. When, when we rung up the school to say like about the eldest one that she she'd uh, tested positive. Uh, the, the reply from the school was, oh, yeah, that's 17 in her class that have got it now. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I think I must admit, on our school, with, with my son, I mean, he's, he's 10 next Wednesday, actually. Um, for, um, sorry, not Wednesday. Next Saturday. Uh, I shouldn't, shouldn't get that wrong, should I? Uh, I'm thinking ahead to our visit to Blackpool. That's what I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean... His school, I think there's only two classes that haven't had multiple COVID cases. So, I mean, we're not even in the winter yet. I, I dread to think the impact of this winter for COVID. And I mean, it doesn't look like we're going to go back into any lockdowns, luckily. And I, I think we're just going to have to live with it. And I think that's the right way forward. But um, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you're better, mate. Always good. I loved having Ben last week. It was uh, it was a nice change in your dulcet tones. But um, to be honest, mate, um, this is mine and your podcast, and it's always great to hear you. So uh, thank you again uh, for joining us. Um, so we're not going to go too much into the uh, the Millwall uh, kind of result because I think there's only so much depression we can take for one uh, particular podcast, to be honest. We've had a, a, few, a rough few weeks, but there's just a couple of things that I wanted to 
to kind of bring up more than anything, Dan, and I, you know, feel free again to to kind of jump in. But I think I think for me, it's obviously been a very disappointing few weeks. I mean, this particular game, again, this was probably the first kind of fixture post. Um, well, that's probably the first fixture in October that I actually thought we were really going to have a chance of starting to pick up points. I mean, I can forgive Sheffield United and Bournemouth. You know, they're, they're, they're good teams, um, Bournemouth especially. You know, they're, they're definitely going to be there or thereabouts. But for me, you know, Millwall was that first opportunity to really try and um, start the kind of comeback trail and, and pick up those points. So I think to lose to Millwall was um, very disappointing and Obviously, the nature in terms of going ahead and again being kind of pegged back, it's it's turned into a bit of a, a worrying trait. But um, I think, you know, we need to start to, to return to kind of winning ways um, sooner rather than later. I mean, again, we'll get into Cardiff in a bit, but, um, you know, they're a poor team. And I just I just had a, a feeling, mate, when uh, McCarthy was sacked on Saturday that uh, Tony Pulis was going to rear his head. We, uh, we both know that... It's one of them people. He always seems to haunt us, and I love Tony. You know I do. And um, I mean, did you kind of did you have the same thought with me in terms of here we go, Pulis is coming back? Only when you brought it to my attention, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, <laughs> I just um, saw mate. Yeah, because I think the Cardiff job is probably one of the few ones that he would still take in football. Because I think. I think he is sort of winding down now, isn't he, in his career and stuff. And I think um, he has sort of stated, has that Cardiff, you know, I think Cardiff, Wales, they're definitely two jobs that would still probably interest him and sort of get, a, get his juices flowing uh, at this point. Um, yeah. Whether they feel that's the right fit for them is another matter, but I think they'd be daft to in the situation they're in now. They'd be daft not to, sorry. Um, you know, not to at least, you know, Make contact with uh, with Tony and you know see see where the, the land lies on that. Oh, too right, mate. Because I mean, again, I'll, I'll go through. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's some really intriguing stats actually uh, for the Cardiff uh, kind of the whole Cardiff camp. To be honest, quite quite interesting bit. So yeah, either way, at least we haven't got to worry about him coming back anyway. Um, <laughs> but I think one one of the things that again I really wanted to highlight from the back of this, and you know, it's nothing to really do with. Um, it's obviously to do with the game, but it's it's not individual moments. It's more about O'Neill getting a lot of stick, and we're talking a lot of stick uh, over the weekend. I mean, Twitter's great for people's instant reactions, and I think you know that's obviously a positive thing as well. But I do get it. Emotions run high. It's a game that we all thought we had a really good chance of winning for the reasons I've already mentioned, and I think it was just the moment where people just lose their heads. Um, to be honest with you, mate. Now. Everyone's welcome to their opinions, and I'm not going to mention any names here, but I've seen some absolutely incredibly stupid comments coming out. Now, again, it's my opinion, but I'm going to call this as a stupid comment. I'm not going to say who it is. Now, the actual comment here was, I'm assuming this is tongue-in-cheek, because if not, I'm really concerned about our fan base. So give it to Rory till the end of the season. Now, apologies if that person's listening, but I just couldn't I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Now, if, it's, if that's Rory Delap you're referring to, um, we're complaining, or you'd be complaining about a manager who, effectively, you don't think is good enough to do the job. So your answer is to bring in Rory Delap, who has never managed a game? Is that seriously a a, a, a way of getting around it? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I, I seriously don't get comments like that, mate. Um, it, again, if you think I'm being a bit harsh, Dan, then please correct me, mate, but 
I, I just I couldn't believe some of the comments I was seeing. I don't know if you've seen any, but I w- I had to turn Twitter off. I was getting so frustrated with what I was I was obviously looking at uh, looking at over there at the weekend. People just need to take a reality check. Has everybody forgotten that come June, July time, everyone was saying what an amazing job they'd done in getting rid of, was it 20, 23 players out the, out the door? Yeah, including them on loan. Including them on loan. You know, so, so that that is a job in itself. Then they've had to bring in a few players you know, to fill the gaps that needed filling. They've got players coming back from injury. They've got key players like you know Tyrese Campbell's not 100% fit. He's only just started coming back in the team. Nick Powell has had this will be his second you know long spell out of the side already this season. Um, you know, you've got people like Josh Timon have come in. You know, we've got um, Smith. You know, he was missing against Millwall. You know, he's been a, you know the wing backs have been key players and. Yeah, the people have got to understand that this is the championship. You have ups, you have downs. We've lost the two teams, like you just said there, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, who you can sort of hold your hands up and say, yeah, it, yeah they are teams that sometimes we'll play them. Yeah, if we play it to our best and they have an off day, then we'll win. If they have an off, if we, if we have an off day and they play to their best, they'll win. You know, and if we both play decent, then we'll probably end up in a draw. And they they them games, and you know it's quite easy for a couple of them to go against you. And but then the thing is, you play your teams like Millwall away. You know, losing away at Millwall isn't a, isn't a recent phenomenon for Stoke. It's been happening for years. No. Yeah, you know, we are, we have a great record there. We have a great record in London. Full stop. <laughs> During, I was going to so, say it's thirty one games. I think I saw on Sky Sports thirty one games since we last won in London. Yeah, that I is it's an incredible the longest, run. Yeah, I believe it's the longest run in, in the country, isn't it? Some what I saw at the weekend. We love, uh, we love records from like that. Or someone. Yeah, well, there you go, mate. I mean, I think yeah. You know, if probably, don't get me wrong. I kind of understand. It's, it's, a, it's a gut reaction. I, I I understand, and maybe that comment was secretly um, tongue in cheek. I mean, I must admit, some of the comments I've seen probably makes me think it's not. But you know what? You're entitled to your opinion. But my God, it, suggesting Rory Delat is the answer is just mind-boggling but anyway one of the comments which i loved and he got a lot of kind of tweets and he got a lot of likes etc hundreds um russell blood on twitter mate so you literally um are pretty much spelt out what me and dan have said here so the snowflake generation of stoke fans is upon us lose a couple of games and the manager needs sacking some people need to get some perspective and some balls for a fight since when do we expect to win every game get a grip and get behind the team um absolutely spot on russell uh, couldn't agree more, mate. I mean, that that's exactly, I think, how, in fairness, probably the majority of, of of the actual fan base, I think, do do think like that. I don't think anyone should be seriously thinking about getting rid of O'Neill. But anyway, yeah, so yeah, obviously Millwall was disappointing. I think the issue as well is that when people are happy, or not so much happy, but sort of understanding, they, there's not that much to write. As there. People don't tweet that they understand that we've just lost a game. People tweet when they are annoyed or they are, you know, that they like I say that they think that the manager should be sacked. That's that's reason for them to get their 140 characters out and, and send a tweet. If you're just sitting there and thinking, oh yeah, well you lost, but you know, we gave it to go. We probably got a bit slightly offended. That's what's happened. You aren't going. You, that's not. 
that's not making people race to their keyboards as he's got the phones out and quick send a tweet out saying I understand the now in this situation. It's a, and that's the problem. So you, you end up with seeing a lot of messages, a lot of negativity because that's that's human nature is that that comes out first and, and, and more often. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. And like I say, everyone's very welcome to opinion, but like you said, it, it is a, an instant gut reaction. It's a way of getting out your frustration, isn't it? And I mean, as you said, I think if we all had more than 140 characters, we'd probably be able to articulate things a hell of a lot differently. But uh, but that's fine. Again, uh, let's see uh, let's see how things go. But um, one of the uh, man of the match uh, poll results as well, as everyone knows, we'd love to do uh, polls. And if you want to get involved, then just uh, make sure you go to uh, every step along on Twitter and you'll be able to kind of get the votes in there. Uh, normally a couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, the man of the match poll from the game. So your options were Sawyer's, Suter and Timon. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the last time we hear those three um, on a man of the match. But uh, third place was Timon with 12%. Second was Sawyer's with 26%. And uh, you won't be surprised, obviously, to hear that Suter was first with 59%. Now, um, again, Suter takes home the win, and not for the first time, I don't think, this season, Dan, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll talk about him in a second. But I thought, again, really exceptional. I think the uh, the kind of man of the match polls have gone the way in which I think I kind of expected. I was just going to say, Harry Suter, um, you know, yet another man of the match performance. Win, lose, or draw, he seems to be in the running for them every week, doesn't he? He's, he's, he's uh, having an exceptional season. Yeah, absolutely. Mind you, let's just get straight into it. I mean, what did you think of uh, of Suter against Brentford last night? I thought there was a couple of times where I thought he, he, you know, he got caught out a little bit, or he. But, but they were early on. I thought the more he grew into the game, he seemed to adapt well, and he seemed to be learning from them at them early minutes, which is really encouraging for him, and that he's stepped up a class. You know, he's going up against. You know, especially attacking wise, he had Ivan Tony up there. Yeah. You know, he had a very um, Premier League standard, you know, strike force to deal with last night, and he uh, he, he did it very well. Like I say, he sort of was a bit ropey at the beginning, I thought, but then, like I say, learned from those mistakes, learned from what he was up against, and adapted his game and played really well after that. The last say 65, 70 minutes, I thought he was he played. He had a really good game. Um, like I say, one of his headers, marked well, sort of read the game well, read what, his, what the strikers were planning to do, you know, and get, got nicked in there. And, uh, yeah, I thought he, uh, he played yeah, he played well. I think he showed that he's definitely ready for the Premier League if, if somebody was to come calling for him, unfortunately, uh, in the few, next few weeks when the window opens. Well, I think we'll, there'll definitely uh, be some of that, mate. And yeah, we'll we'll discuss that in a sec. But I thought, you know, I mean, obviously, I know you went to the game. I, I watched it on a stream, to be honest with you. I mean, midweek games are just so, so hard for me to get to, to be honest. But um, in terms of kind of what I thought of the game, I'm sure you probably agree with this. First half, we were just not in it. Uh, you know, they they controlled it easily enough. They thoroughly deserved to be 2-0 up. And, and to be fair, it could, it could have been more. But um, I, th- I don't know about you, mate, but I thought we were a different beast in the second half. I mean, I thought the play was a lot better. Uh, you know, I think despite them getting a couple of chances, which, to be fair, was just us pushing forward and, and if anything, kind of o- overloading attack and, 
I mean, everyone criticising O'Neill, mate, but we must have had about six strikers on that pitch at one point. So, uh, you know, I don't think we could really say that he didn't go for the match the other night. And, I mean, one or two things I wanted to pull out, actually. So Tyrese um, looked very lively. I know he didn't get much of a chance to, to even have barely a shot, to be honest. But in terms of what he did, some nice, quick play, you know, intricacy in terms of, you know, linking up midfield and et cetera. I thought it was great to see him back. And, um, you know, he, he definitely seems lively. So hopefully with a bit more service and we'll finally at some point get a settled midfield, which is going to be key to someone like that getting goals. Uh, I thought, you know, he did really, really well. Um, Bursic, I mean, we've we've all criticised the uh, the goalkeepers in recent times, you know, prone to mistakes. But again, really good quality saves. Uh, he's done himself a good, deal of good going into this weekend um, I think you know he needed to have a good game and like you said Ivan Tony's a great striker mate and if you know he's kept him out on a couple of occasions he made a couple of other routine saves there was one at his near post I think in the first half which was again a good quality save that he should be oh, making yeah, great, but... great reactions that was exactly it was more of a reaction save wasn't it so I think that's I think that's the one of the things that we've always said about um, about Joe Bursi because that from a shot stopping perspective he's Looks spot on. You can't really fault too much of that. It's that kind of distribution at times um, that's kind of letting down, and also his kind of his management of his box. Really, I think that's the thing we're criticising for. But um, and before I let you actually get a word in edgeways, um, remain Sawyer's mate. Now, again, over previous weeks, I think we've all, I know I have, I've, I've given him a little bit of stick. Um, not so much last week. I thought you know he's pretty decent, but that was his best game of the season, without a shadow of a doubt. He looked. I don't know. He just looked all over the place. He was in defence. He was in midfield. He was scored an absolute worldie in terms of a goal. I mean, that that is a good goal in any division. So, I mean, what's that? Is that two in two for him now, Dan? I think for Soyuz. Yeah, two in two, and both from just outside the box as well, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go then. So he seems to be finding his feet, um, and maybe you know, he he could be the answer short term to you know even having uh, what's the name uh, the replacement for Powell. Uh, you know, he could very well be, be that replacement. Uh, again, he, he puts himself about his his passing and his kind of imagination was brilliant again last night. So maybe we've accidentally stumbled upon his best position by having Powell out injured. Um, could very well have been the case. But um, any particular takeaways that you took away that I may have missed out of all that? Um, no, I thought you summed up quite well there. I mean, I think we were flat in the first half. I mean, that's that's uh, my word, you, the word I'd use to describe us. Yeah, I thought we, were, we sort of like were a bit in awe of their passing and how they were knocking it around. And we seemed to be a bit scared to sort of commit because we maybe we thought we'd be get caught out if we did. And uh, there was a couple of times, first half, I noticed like Ben, I think it was Ben Wilmot, but it was a couple of like crunching slide tackles he did. And his reaction straight away was to sort of stand up and sort of shake his fists around as if he was trying to sort of. You, 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 he'd maybe done that tackle with the intention of like, right, let's sort of spark something from the rest of the lads. He could probably see from where he was that there was a bit of a lack of energy from us. Yeah. Um, but definitely, whatever the manager said to him at half time, it worked because they did, like I said, they came out a different beast in the second half. They were, they were high intensity. They were passing it around well. They were playing with, they were playing with a lot of confidence, which for a team that's lost three in a row and then was two 0 down was quite refreshing to see that they were still confident and they were knocking around. They didn't look scared of the opposition. Maybe they'd, you know, in the first half where they had, maybe the manager got to him and says, you know, why, you know, we're 2-0 down here, but really, we, 
we haven't had a kick yet. So, you know, you've got 45 minutes. You might as well go out there and play play football. And like you said, you, I mean, we were through striker after striker. I know when the, um, when Jacob Brown was coming on as well, I was like, I was looking, I was like, where's he going? Who's he coming on for? <laughs> I was like, we've already changed those to strikers. <laughs> I was like, and then obviously I thought, oh, maybe he's going to go right wing back and that. But obviously we changed the formation, took a defender off, went four four two. Brought like you know we really brought it in some brown on, um. So yeah, the you know you can't say we didn't give it a go. We didn't go for it. We had you know t- two two attacking midfielders in the middle and Sawyer's and Francic, you know two real attacking wingers in brown and Ince and two two strikers, mm-hmm. um. So yeah, I mean, I thought there was I thought again we probably missed Tommy Smith. I know Dehaney, Dehaney played you know he, it was all right. He, yeah, he he did his defensive duties well, but I think he maybe lacked a bit of a bit of that creativity that we get from Smith on the wing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think that was he got the ball and he sort of he did he did he never wanted to sort of knock it and drive or put a cross in or you know he sort of as soon as he got it he was looking well put my foot on it who can take it off me. It was that kind of thing, and maybe that's his own confidence. Maybe he didn't want to sort of, you know, go bombing down the wing, lose the ball, and leave a gap behind him. Maybe that was his, uh, you know, maybe like I say, a lack of confidence in his own sort of ability there against a team at that le- at that level. But yeah, I thought, uh, like I say, he did nothing like I say too wrong. I thought yeah, yeah, he had a good, solid game and de- defensively, um, you know. Mark marked up well against their winger and and that, but uh, yeah, that was sort of my takeaway. I thought we we just missed Smith's attacking intent down that wing, and that could have been the difference for us. To be honest, that could have you know created at least one more goal for us and got us uh, got us a result. Uh, Tyrese, like you said there, you know he was lively, he was running around. I noticed last week uh, when you were on with Ben that he was commenting on Tyrese and sort of his his appearance. And maybe thinking he was carrying, you know, maybe carrying a bit of weight and stuff. From what I can see, I think I think what's happened is he spent that much time in the gym. I think he's bulked up. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I, mean? I think that's what it is. He looks big because I think he's actually now because he spent that much time in the gym. And I think you do get that sometimes, don't you? When you have like uh, knee injuries and stuff because you do that much you see players do that much recovery work around it and maybe they think right okay get that must get these muscles stronger and use this time get my well, recovery and get these muscles stronger and stronger and stronger to you know to stop it happening again yeah no that's fair enough and, mate. it's interesting you, you've seen that because i think it's probably one of them things where it's a lot easier to see up up front than on some blurry Stream, which is what I had. Um, yeah, he, he just so. seems. I, th- I think when he when he's up to full sort of full speed and that, I think he's he's going to be so much more powerful now as well. I mean, he had he had he had power before, didn't he? You know, that was part of his game. But I think now, I don't think there'll be anybody knocking him off the ball if he you know if he maintains the physique he's got now. Oh, great! So he's going to go and score a load of goals, be more physical, and he's going to be going for 15, 20 million in January. Fantastic! Yeah, just what we want. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, but yeah, like I say we can't we can't complain about a uh, a good a good Tyree Sam Campbell turning up, can we? And I think you know we won't go into it now, but I think that's another area where we just haven't quite cracked the code in terms of that strike force yet. So um, I think when Tyrese comes back, I think it's a matter of who kind of 
who stays with him. To be honest, I think Jacob Brown is, would be so unfortunate to miss out. But I do like the kind of Tyrese and Fletcher combo. I just think that seems to work really well. The, you know, Fletcher's an intelligent player, and that kind of connection that he had with Tyrese last season was was strong. So, I mean, I think that's the way I would go. But uh, we've got some options there, obviously, to, to think about. I was actually quite impressed with Seymour as well when he came on. I think he was mm. unfortunately that header at the back post, but the fact he got that head, got to that ball, he sort of came from nowhere. He made that, you know, it was an intelligent run around the back and he sort of got that header and he was, just went across across Goldens and he just missed the far post. Yeah. And I thought, you know, he, he's seen that, you know, he's made that run, timed it perfectly. I thought, yeah, that's that just shows that he's got a bit about him as well. And I mean, unfortunately, we haven't seen much of him yet, have we? But Wow, uh, he's definitely one that I think I'd yeah, I'd be happy to see more of. I think. For, fortunately, as I say, fortunately, I mean, how it's actually transpired, mate. I've seen in the uh, press today that effectively Seema might be going back to Brighton in January. Um, so it looks like he might be going back because they've got a bit of a striking crisis at the minute, from what I can understand. I'm not obviously up to up to date with the Brighton, but uh, you know they're they're looking at their options about bringing people back from on loan. Um, so. He's, ob- he's an obvious one to try and bring back if they need to. But I thought about this earlier, and funny enough, that actually could open a door for, for um, a Mr. Delap to arrive on loan in January um, because no doubt they'll want to get him some first-team football. So funny enough, this could actually work out in our favour. Now, obviously, there's a, a lot of ifs and buts there, but um, you'd think that if Stoke wanted to happen and Man City wanted him to, to get him out, that we're going to be first in the queue. So, um, who knows? It could end up being uh, the best thing that's happened. But I'd lo- with you, mate, I'd love to still see him, see what he can do, because he looks again lively. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that one pans out. But maybe uh, another lap will uh, arrive uh, in, in terms of kind of the news this week. Um, I wanted to kind of cover off that as well. Uh, Dan and you know, someone you, we mentioned just, so Harry Suter. Now, I'm sick of mentioning this, but he transferred rumour stuff for Harry, mate, but I think we'd be stupid not to. So I think this is what the second or third week on the trot uh, that, you know, this this link's kind of come out and Everton and Spurs are the constant teams that have been mentioned with him. I know they've thrown Aston Villa in there. He ain't going to leave for Aston Villa, let's be honest. Um, but I thought, I was looking through the history for, for Suter and can you can you remember how much we signed him from, from Dundee? Do you remember off the top of your head? I would say... 250 grand less than that 200 grand <laughs> we signed him for 200,000 pounds in 2016 and we're now talking about a player who could be worth 25 million plus that is some that that's some increase uh, you know any player of any division of any capability if you can turn 200 you know 200k transfer made to 25 mil in 5 years you've done incredibly well um, so yeah, good on O'Neill because to be fair, again, he's given a lot of chances. Um, he's made him effectively, you know, kind of like co-captain, uh, when obviously Joe Allen's out. So you can't really argue it being worth 25 million in five years, can you? Let's be honest. No, it'd be uh, interesting to see what, um, potential sign on, uh, what potential, um, sell on fee they've got on him though. Yeah. You've got to take that into account, I suppose, if we are you know, going to be entertaining any bids. 
Well, that's it. I think in previous transfers, when Stoke fans have moaned about Skulls not getting signing on bonuses and stuff like that, I think the difference with this is that we've got all the power with that contract, um, whereas previously we, we didn't have that, did we? You know, we we had uh, you know we had situations where uh, effectively we had players in six months or months with a contract, and you can't really turn around and start um, asking for fifteen, twenty percent sell-on fees. It just it just doesn't happen because they don't need to. So um, anyway, I'm hoping he doesn't go. Um, but one thing, Dan, I, I asked Ben this last week, mate. But the rumor simply isn't going to go away. Now, do you think this is realistically something that will happen in January? Not not what you want to happen. But if Peter Coates on you know, the second January, whatever it is, gets a, a you know a bloody email over Everton, we're going to offer you now twenty five million plus five million sign on and ten percent sell on fee. Do you see Stoke turning that down? Because I know I certainly don't. For Harry Suter, mm. uh, no, I don't think I don't think there's a team with a championship that can turn down that kind of money. Um, I think what you'd have to look at is you wouldn't get a centre half as good as him right now, for, would you? But no. you could use that money to get a replacement centre half, maybe even look at you know trying to get an experienced Premier League defender in on loan for the rest of the season um, to to fill that gap you know in the short term. Yeah, and then you've got a lot of money to spend. Then to you, know, you could re- you could improve four or five places in your squad with that money in the, in this league, couldn't you? Yeah, you could do, mate. Maybe we'll do a a loan back, not not loan back. Sorry, a uh, kind of a bit of a swap in there as well, and maybe get one of their defenders. But if it's from Spurs, we don't want any of their defenders. I oh, am done crazy. with Spurs bloody defenders. So uh, we'll we'll forget that. But yeah, I think. We've always, I think they've always said every player has his price, doesn't he? Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this one pans out, mate, but I'm desperately hoping that uh, it's not going to happen. Um, and uh, move on to something as well. Uh, so, certain Dion Burton um, made me feel a bit old this week. Uh, he was 45 years old, believe it or not, mate, uh, Dion Burton. Um, so, I mean, I must admit, there's probably a lot of Stoke fans right now who um, just don't don't know exactly... Um, you know who who he is. To be honest, I could understand it. You know, we're getting people in the recent times, but um, he, I must admit he had a really good strike partner uh, in Chris Iwilumo, um, which I know probably a lot of people have have heard of if they haven't at least seen. But yeah, so like I, said, I love love going down a bit of memory lane, mate. We've we've talked about the Icelandic gear and stuff quite a lot. I'm not going to go over old ground, but I, I just remember the um, I think it was Gun Larson, if I remember rightly, crossed the ball in. Uh, Sergi Stanyuk flicked it on uh, and Dion Burton's just literally swiveled at the back post and put it under. Um, it was Dave Kitson. Uh, he put under under Dave Kitson's legs, if I remember correctly. A very young Dave Kitson at that point. Um, I could be remembering that incorrect, but I, I'm pretty confident that that's accurate. Um, so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, you know, he joined and it was an absolute disaster. But, uh, yeah, so I bet you remember that day, don't you? Well done. I mean, it's 2002, mate, so we're having to go back almost... Uh, you know, 20 years here, but still uh, still amazing how time flies, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, as soon as you say, you mentioned Dion Burton there, uh, my, uh, my memory, that, that goal was played right in front of my uh, memory. Uh, um, yeah, he's, I mean, because he scored a really important goal right at the end of the, the first leg in the semi-final as well against Cardiff, ironically. Yep. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, to uh, like I say, then we went to score the gold into it at the Millennium Stadium. Sort of just just set us on our way, and you know, if, if we hadn't won that game, you do worry, you know, where we would have where would have ended up really. But yeah, he's uh, yeah, for for as loan signings go, he's definitely been one of the most important ones. He scored two really important goals um, in our recent history. And I remember as well after that goal, he went up to Ibaluma and gave him a kiss uh, after, <laughs> yeah, after that one as well. He, he was an interesting character, wasn't he, uh, Dion? But yeah, I, mean, I remember them, and I've uh, you know I've said it on a number of occasions uh, on on the YYY files thing that I did for for Ben a few weeks ago. I mentioned about you know that that kind of game and and Dion and various different things. And again, it was obviously it was against Brentford. If anyone doesn't know, it was against Brentford, and how how their kind of look. You know, faded away and they went into a bit of nothing and obviously now they've they've made their way back but um yeah we we just we walked that game we were never ever in danger at all um so it's good to see but um unfortunately mate um to kind of, we've had a nice positive overview there and I'm gonna have to take us back down to earth a little bit um now since obviously you you've last been on uh, a certain um key midfielder in Nick Powell uh, obviously got injured um, and was obviously out for eight weeks, which considering the tackle was an absolute nothing tackle. There was nothing in it at all. Uh, so disappointing to have such a creative hole in that, in that midfield. And, and like I said, you know, Dan, I mean, who are you going to put in his place? Because we've moved this midfield around about 300 different combinations over the time. So who are you putting in his place, mate? Are you putting Sawyers in and, I don't know, having Joe Allen and Thompson in, in defensive midfield, or wh- which way would you go about it? Because it's a big loss, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, he's one of the best playmakers and uh, brightest football brains in this division, and I think he'd walk into any side in this league. So for us to lose him, you know, when we haven't got the we haven't got the strength and depth, uh, you know, especially like in, in attacking sense of other clubs. Yeah, we haven't got um, like for like replacements as such to come in. Obviously, if the thing, the closest player we have got is probably Mario, but we've been playing the pair of them together, so it's not as if Mario can come and you know step up and be Nick Powell because he's already on, he's already in the team anyway. Um, what I'd, what we could do maybe is move Remain Sawyer's forward, but do you want to disrupt Sawyer's when he started playing so well? From deeper, from a deeper position, he's sort of got his head around that position and is starting to you know, dictate games and play well, you know, in front of the defense in an attacking sense. Anyway, don't you know? Don't get me wrong. I think he's got a lot of work to do on his defensive side there, but attacking wise, I think he's starting to really you know impact games, uh, and he's starting to sort of you know keep keep the ball moving, you know, and setting us up on attacks from deep. Will he have that same, you know, because obviously, you, you know, the further forward you go, the less space you get. Mm-hmm. Is that is he going to sort of start affecting his game if we move him further forward? Or do we move him forward? Do we play him further forward with Vrancic and have maybe a Jordan Thompson um, sitting in behind? And, you know, who's more, probably a better defensive type player. Um, probably got a more, you know, natural mind when it comes to that kind of midfield work. Um, that would make probably make us more solid. Let's be honest. Yeah, you know we, we know from the past, especially you know remember when Tony Pulis was in charge. That especially you know if we lost two, three, four games in a row, he would be like, right, okay, this ends now. 
we grind out a 1-0 win or a 0-0 draw even, stop that run and then start again. Maybe we need that on Saturday. Do we need to, you know, get Jordan Thompson? Even do we go Thompson and Allen, uh, you know, sitting, make us tie to make us strong, make sure we don't lose the game. If we have to draw nil nil, we have to draw nil nil, but it stops that run of defeats and gives us a bit of a you know a clean sheet, solid platform, and then we start again the week after. Oh mate, if, if oh I just you just saying there if we have to take nil nil. Oh well, I'll, I'll get on to it in a minute, but I I completely we can't we can't begin a, a nil nil. Sorry, that's just I know what you're saying, totally understand and agree with you, but if that's the result, there's going to be a lot of angry people this weekend. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I, I'll, I'll I'll cut us off on that one there because I don't want to spoil what's coming up because I'm sure we'll have a lot of kind of uh, comments on this. But one thing, a quite serious thing that I wanted to to bring up, and I, I think I think we need to. You you messaged me um, last night on on your way back from the football that unfortunately you walked past the individual who were, was receiving CPR, um, and obviously this afternoon he unfortunately has passed away. I've I've, I've seen so. I just it just again got me thinking, and I don't know if there's a particular league kind of requirement or, or something along these lines. Um, there's been a bit of an, an alarming increase of this recently. Now I don't know whether it's um, I don't know just the the media have caught on to it, so it's being highlighted more, or you know obviously there's, there's something else. But it's just got me thinking in terms of. When I, when I look back at the Newcastle incident the other week, and uh, you know they had to get the one defibrillator, which was from uh, obviously in the in the dugout, and it seemed like that was the only one that people had access to. I mean, for me, there's there's got to be two or three of these in the stadium. You know, it's a permanent fixture going forward, but um, it, it's a real shame that this is happening. It seems to have, as I said, Dan, a number of times. But do you think we're in a situation now where it's it's that seems to be that commonplace, unfortunately, that we we just have to have these defibrillators in the stadium permanently, and uh, you know a couple of them as well, because it could save someone's life, couldn't it? Yeah, I think you do see them dotted around, you know, around um, the city, don't you, in different places. I know, like, is it like a lot of old phone boxes have sort of been converted yeah. they, into like the defibrillators and that. Um, which I do, I do believe there is. I do believe I've seen one, at least one at the ground um, on the outside. But I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, where this particular gentleman was, it wasn't easy for any sort of emergency services to get to him um, on, on that on that path. Unfortunately, um, you know, condolences to, to his friends and family there. You know, it's, uh, unfortunately, no one should really. Go to go to a football match and uh, not come home. Should they? You know, that's it's not. No. Um, yeah, it was really. Uh, so obviously, I was walking. Obviously, walking up with the with the kids and stuff. I could see those people. You know, have people trying the best, and uh, you know, God bless them. People, you know, they've. Uh, they, I'm sure they did everything, everything they possibly could to try and help, uh, which is. You know, that's all you can do. Unfortunately, I was going to uh, say, mate, with with all the we we go on about this world and how selfish people are and stuff like that. But I must admit, when 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 there's a tragedy and when there's something like that happening, there's always good people around to to act. And yeah, I know that obviously it hasn't worked out on this occasion, but you know, obviously as you said, everyone's doing their best. And 
unfortunately sometimes your best just isn't quite enough and yeah you've got to give them absolute credit for for everything that they've trying to do and the obviously again the emergency services and I just and I'm sorry Dan I know I haven't kind of pre-planned this with you mate I just I just thought it was something I wanted to mention and um, it just had me thinking earlier on so it is a shame um, and you know hopefully we won't hear too much of this again kind of kind of going forward. So um, that kind of covers off the, the news for this week. There wasn't an awful lot um, of that, to be honest. Nothing nothing dramatic. Um, I just wanted to kind of look ahead to, obviously, Cardiff, obviously. Now, I did, I always, again, mate, I've always said this every other week, I think, but uh, I do love this section. Now, since we relegated, we've played Cardiff four times. Um, unfortunately, mate, it doesn't make for very good reading. Um, and it's also been very tight on the results. So uh, Stoke have won one, which was a home match, luckily. Uh, we've drawn one and we've lost two. So um, not a great record, but Cardiff's start to this season has been very poor. I mean, they sit fourth from bottom uh, and they've already conceded, mate, 26 goals um, in those games. 26 goals in 14 matches, which is just crazy. Um, now, obviously, as we know, we've set, they've set the manager at the weekend uh, after another defeat, which obviously always happens to us. We always get the team who sacked the manager uh, the day before or the week before. I'm surprised there isn't a new manager sitting in the stands just to top it all off, you know, on, on Saturday. I'm sure that something will come out tomorrow, mate, and it'll be, yeah, such and such is sitting in the stands. He's going to be taken over. You can see it coming. I absolutely can. It, it will be pureless, mate. It will be sitting in the stands. If, if, if at the very least, if if he's even not taken over, he will be in that stand just to get people doubting what's going to be happening. So, um, but yeah, it always happens to us, mate. But I mean, to be fair to Cardiff, I mean, away from home is actually where they picked up their points. I mean, they've had seven of their 11 points have all come away from home. But get this, they've lost the last eight games in a row. So they're much worse than us, as we all know anyway. Um, so I think ha not having that kind of home pressure is helping them. But um, safe to say, mate, with no managers to speak of, a disastrous start to the season. Uh, the worst goal difference in the league. In fact, it actually took me going through the divisions to see that we have to go all the way down to the literally the foot of League Two to find a team with a worse goal difference than Cardiff. So it can only mean one thing, mate. <laughs> Cardiff will win at the weekend. Uh, we're going to happen, isn't it? The, we're going to batter them and they'll beat us 1-0. <laughs> you can bloody see it coming, Carl. Yeah, I mean, but like I said to you, Dan, and I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, but joking aside, we absolutely cannot let them take anything from this weekend. Any other result than a win is unacceptable for me, I'm afraid. I know, you know, we say each game's hard and... You know, O'Neill will come out and say each game's hard, blah, blah, blah. But we've got to break out of this bad form. We've already said, you know, the results we had previously were understandable, probably bar the Millwall result. I think we should have at least had a point. But um, I think, you know, we talk about pressure and we talk about O'Neill getting stick earlier on. But if we lose to Cardiff at the weekend, mate, then the knives will be out. Now, I don't think he should go at all. We'd just, we'd just be going through a bad patch. But you can then understand why fans will start to turn. Yeah, and the f that that was maybe whilst I was sort of going back to like you know the way the way that uh, TP always used to do it, where he'd sort of end the run before he got to that stage where you think he, yeah where you Cardiff have lost eight in a row, he wouldn't he would never have got that far would it because after three or whatever he he'd be back to the wall nil nil oh well we've, we've, you've now you might not have won in four but you've 
you've not lost four in a row. Um, and those kind of stats, you know, that that's how he sort of worked into it. It would sort of stop the pressure. Yeah. And that, that's what I was thinking. That, that's the sort of mindset I was going earlier on. Um, I think I, I think I said to you earlier this week, didn't I, that the worry I've got is that teams lose eight games in a row very, very rarely. Teams lose nine games in a row even rarer than that. Mm. It's that... You know that sort, you know that that you know, law of averages and all that. That eventually, no matter how badly you're playing, you know, you'll you'll get a game where you'll get a point or get a win. Yeah. You know, and and by all sense and purposes, I think a few times. I mean, I'm, I'm you know the the I saw a few weeks ago. I think Cardiff had something like twenty-one shots or something, and they lost two nil. <laughs> And the opposition had like two shots. <laughs> well, there you go. That that's a clear lack of quality, and is isn't it really? But that, that we've seen before, and this is why we all go about the Stoke City charity whenever a team needs a win, and it's very blinking accurate, mate. The amount of times it happens, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we we can't let it happen. I think the only problem that you will find is, and we've seen it in numerous occasions, where players just stop playing for a manager. And they know that he'll, he'll get him sacked. Whatever's going on behind the scenes, they know he's out. And then when he's out, all of a sudden then a mind switch, you know, a mind change happens. And then all of a sudden they start picking up results. We've seen it time and time and time again. The problem that we'll have this time is that O'Neill's on a four-match losing streak and yeah. it would go down like a lead balloon. So the crowd, Yeah, I think the crowd are key, aren't they? The crowd... Massive. Yeah, if, if, even if you know if they take an early lead or something, yeah, you know, the crowd have got to stay behind them and not, you know not start getting on the backs because as great a crowd as we can be at Stoke, you know we've seen it recently, especially like you know when say when Gary Rowell was in charge, the fact when the fans turn, it makes it a very difficult place for the players to play. And, you know we've got to remember we've got a very young side out there as well, and one you know that this is probably. They are probably looking around each other to find the leaders, you know, find the players who are going to jam up and that. And the last thing they probably need is the fans to turn on them, because then they, you know, they they are not they aren't losing games on purpose, are they? It's not a lack of effort or anything like that. It's just they're not having the rub of the green at the minute. Um. So yeah, I think even if, like I say, even if Cardiff get an early goal, the fans have got to stick with them, show them that they they're still behind them, and. I think the fact we're at home is key. I think if we were away from home, we'd probably be a bit more like nervous about the new manager thing and you know the the, the nine defeats in a row, like I was saying then. But well, our, our home form's been good, and I think we yeah we just got to keep you know keep, keep with the lads on Saturday, regardless of how the how the game starts or wherever, and and see so, you know I'm sure we'll uh, we'll come good. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And uh, again, the. Fa- Fans were against Brentford in that second half. The fans were brilliant. You know, again, they got behind it. We had a few contentious decisions go against us from another dodgy referee. And again, that it was it was like the Stoke fans of old. I mean, there was only probably about eight thousand of them there. To be fair, you know, all credit for them to, to turn up in, on a cold cold Wednesday night. Um, but at the same time, you know, as soon as that happened, there was roaring, there was booing, there was cheering. And the Stoke players just switched on straight away. It, it really got them irate. And it's that type of stuff that made us unbeatable previously. So if they can just get that atmosphere going again, um, as you've rightly just pointed out, 
we will be perfectly fine. If we sit there and we're quiet and there's no atmosphere and we go 1-0 down and there's booing and jeering, that's just that's not going to help. It really isn't. So, yeah, he's spot on, mate. Let's uh, let's get behind him. Um, and uh, a certain Graham McGarry, uh, the lovely Graham, thanks again, mate, for gaining in touch and giving us your predictions. So uh, we'll have a, a listen to, to Graham uh, shortly, mate. But I'm going to ask you before this happens uh, for your prediction for results for this weekend. I'm not going to let you listen to Graham's audio first because that would be cheating. So what's your uh, your prediction? I think that we will come from behind to win 3-1. Oh, so we're going to come from behind this this time. Okay, good. (laughs) Good, love it. All right, perfect. Well, uh, let's see what Graham had to say. Uh, Graham has been predicting 2-1 last weekend, but unfortunately he predicted that to Stoke. So um, I'm kind of hoping that he's gone and, uh, you know, back to Cardiff this week, because that means we'll probably win. So uh, let's listen to what Graham said, and uh, we'll have a bit quick chat about it afterwards. So here we go again with the Potters' prediction. Right scoreline last weekend, but wrong way round. A little bit of a tricky time at the moment for Michael O'Neill's side, and they're facing the Cardiff side who are totally out of sorts. They can't find a win anywhere. Manager sacked. New manager or caretaker manager in. Stoke will have to rise above that and really go for them. The home fans get behind your team. They'll need you this afternoon when you kick off at 3 o'clock against Cardiff City. I've got to go for that home win. It won't be easy, but it might be by that one goal. Stoke 1, Cardiff 0. Love it, Graham. Thank you very much, as always, for the audio, mate. So uh, you've gone for a sneaky 1-0 win to Stoke. Brilliant. There's uh, there's a loss coming this weekend then. Cheers, Graham. Always appreciated, mate. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a couple of... Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he needs to book his ideas up. He had a great start. You know, he was, it was, it was Mystic McGarry for, for weeks. And now I just think he's a liability. And he's, the, he's the, pl- the person to blame for all our defeats. Just needs to pull his finger out. Um, sorry, Graham. Uh, so, uh, yeah, anyway... Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is what you said then. So I think you're spot on. You said exactly what we've said, mate, about the fans game behind them. So uh, let's hope that happens. I, to be honest, I'm going to go for a. I'm going to go for a three nil Stoke win. I think we're going to get some goals. I talked about the negative goal difference being the worst in almost the top, all, all the key divisions. You know, Championship, Premier League, League One, League Two. Um, so I think we're due to give someone a good spanking. Uh, I think Tyrese uh, will start. I think that's partly the reason why he took him off, even when he needed goals. I don't think it's necessarily to because we wanted to only give him another 60 minutes or anything like that. Um, I think he's resting him to start this weekend, mate, seriously. Um, so I think Tyrese got to start for me. Uh, Sawyer's, again, got to start. I don't think there's anyone you can really drop. I wouldn't change the team dramatically. I thought it was a good team against Brentford. So um, I want to bring Ostergaard back in because I think Ostergaard's pretty solid uh, generally. Um, other than that, mate, I think a 3-0 win is is definitely on the cards. I mean, in terms of, you know, obviously, again, uh, you know, another poll that we obviously asked about kind of fan predictions. Um, it's nice to see the Stoke fans are back on side because actually that's a good point. It's just occurred to me. So everyone went for, a, I think, uh, a predominantly Millwall win last week. And I said, 
you know, oh, I don't think, you know, the, the tide's turned, everyone's miserable. Um, you know, I, I think quite clearly, you know, everyone's down and you know what, you're all right. Um, so uh, all credit to you. So uh, 6% of people think Cardiff will win this weekend. Uh, 16% think it's going to be a draw. And that leaves around 77% thinking that Stoke are going to win. So uh, quite resounding, wouldn't you say, Dan? Yeah, I mean, there might even be some Cardiff fans in there voting for Stoke wins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, we had or, that versus uh, yeah. Bournemouth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that there's still um, a real positive feeling around the, you know, around the the club and that, and the fans are still still think going into the games expecting us to win, and that's it's still nice, um, like I say, that the tide hasn't turned in that respect to the point where, you know, the oh, we're never going to win a game again. It's, that might be the feeling it's, uh, you know, at full time when we, when we have been losing, but at least, you know, when the, you, know, you get up the next morning and it's reset and, you know, back to thinking we, you know, we're going to get pick up three points on Saturday. And speaking of games, um, me and you are going to Blackpool, aren't we? We are indeed. Going to the seaside next week. We're gonna have some candy floss. I'm, I mean, yes. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my uh, uh, sugary penis lolly and uh, bag of candy floss, and I'm gonna eat them in the stands. Uh, I'm gonna be a proper tu- you know, tourist, and uh, we're gonna get get the bouncy castle out, and you know the bucket in spade. We're gonna proper go for it, aren't we? Yeah, get on, get on the big one. Pepsi Max. Uh, oh God, is that thing still there? Uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to have some good fun, mate. So I think we haven't, we haven't discussed this, but we probably need to record this on Thursday so we can give a first-hand account of uh, of our Blackpool win. But I tell you what, you know, uh, we won't kind of do much of a preview on Blackpool yet uh, at all. But um, I think Blackpool have actually looked relatively okay this season. I can't quite think where they are in the division, but um, yeah, I, I don't think. think... They... Oh, they're 11th. Sorry, they're 11th. Yeah, I was going to say I think they're quite comfortable mid-table, which they think they did definitely. Um, they'd have definitely taken that in the beginning, you know, before a ball was kicked in August, wouldn't they? Well, I was um, going to say they're on the same points as us. They're on twenty-one points. Didn't realise they were that close. Yeah, well, that's so another going, tough game. <laughs> I was going to say, mate, that they could potentially. I mean, again, it depends on you know this weekend, but I'm not quite sure who they've got. But either way, they could be thinking about getting into the top, you know, into the playoff places. How crazy is that? Oh, they're away to they're away to Sheffield United. That's fine. They won't do. They're, they're okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> we picked this game because we thought we'd have a nice win. <laughs> yeah. Now look at us. I mean, like I say their their results, mate. They've had some good results. They beat obviously Preston at the weekend. Uh, they've uh, they they were one three two away to Reading. That's no mean feat. Um, so we're in for a good game, mate. But I'm I'm just looking forward to the candy floss. I think the match will be a bonus. So. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, obviously we'll, we'll obviously report back anyway, guys, and obviously we'll look ahead um, to, to the next fixture next week as well. So um, as always, Dan, great to see you back on the men, mate. Always, uh, always good to speak to you. Uh, thank you to everyone who's again been listening this week. We really do appreciate it, um, and uh, we will all uh, speak to you next week. So enjoy your weekend, enjoy the three points against Cardiff, and we'll catch you all next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.